This is a special and first guest in our My AI podcast, Aleksandra Przegalińska. Hello, thank you for having me. This is actually, Luis left me alone because I'm the only person leading the, this podcast that could properly pronounce your name. Well, maybe that was intentional then, you know. <laughs> maybe there was a plan behind it. <laughs> Alexandra is an AI expert, an AI expert before 2023. Uh, she, she is a, a professor and lecturer at Harvard University at, at Koźmiński University. We are both, we both know each other from the other one. Unfortunately for me, not, we don't know each other from Harvard, but on it. And actually, uh, Alexandra is one of the people who have deep knowledge on singularity and an opinion and i'm really curious uh, to have you to explain to all of our all of our listeners what is actually singularity and please remember Ola, as you're explaining this to us that most of our listeners are entrepreneurs so we are not experts in an eye neither experts in singularity so start mm -hmm. from scratch please all right okay well again thank you for having me um, well, I have to say that I am not an expert in singularity, and I don't know anybody who would be, frankly speaking, because it's a term that is completely hypothetical if you refer it to technology. So obviously in mathematics, there is singularity. Or, you know, when you Google this term singularity, you will have plenty of different disciplines that are actually using this term for something. Uh, but the truth is that in the context of AI, it's a purely hypothetical term that refers to some sort of future uh, when artificial intelligence already gains certain types of abilities that would make it very similar to um, um, a human being and the cognitive processes that are happening in our mind and that are driving our actions, right? So when this is equalized, or maybe even if AI surpasses it, we're talking about this hypothetical term of, of singularity. Uh, but it is also true, and I think that's the reason why you are asking about it today, that the term has become super popular recently, right? Uh, uh, AI seems not to be enough. So I've been working in the field of AI for more than 10 years now, and I know that we have a big boom and hype on artificial intelligence, but um, I guess the appetites are bigger. And therefore, what I have noticed recently is that this term of singularity uh, seems to be popping up very often. Uh, I don't know if that's your observation as well. Okay. Can, can you explain? Because we use these three terms, uh, artificial intelligence, that there is artificial general intelligence, which means we are more or less at the same level as uh, AI, but it is outperforming us in some contexts, in some tasks. But then there is this super intelligence, meaning basically that we are surpassed by AI, like in Matrix, yeah. In every matter, in every context, even your cook, your AI is better cook than you, is better yeah. nanny. I, I hope yeah. it's changing diapers also much better than me. That's and doing a... the dishes and the chores <laughs> at home, right? This is what we all hope for when it comes to AI. Finally, yeah. some real help. Um, exactly. But yeah, honestly, honestly, I, I think these terms are related to singularity, and we can talk about it in a second and um, in, in how um, they are linked to it. But um, in AI, what we've been discussing, and AI is obviously, again, a very old discipline, 90 years old or something, almost like a hundred. And it had many ups and downs, the so-called AI winters, right? Those periods when nobody was interested in AI. 
it was considered to be a technology that's over-promising and under-delivering and not good at all. And therefore, you know, nobody wanted to invest in it. So clearly we are not in the AI winter these days. We are definitely in some sort of springtime or, or summer of AI. But um, what we've been sort of using to describe the development in artificial intelligence was, uh, you know, certain, let's say, di disciplines or categories. So the first one is narrow AI or just simply artificial intelligence. And we just got here, right, to real artificial intelligence, meaning very good, very capable statistical models that can achieve goals like text generation, what ChatGPT does, or like music composition, or like making very good predictions and whatnot. So we've recently arrived at the moment when um, those algorithms are complex enough and they have enough data that they can be fed with to kind of really perform good in these types of things that narrow AI does. But as I said, the appetites are bigger, and therefore people recently started talking about general artificial intelligence, which would sort of be the next step. And some people are arguing this step is very close already. Some others are more hesitant, right? Where we are, like you said, talking about artificial intelligence being a technology that is generally capable of performing all those types of tasks that the human mind is capable of performing, right? And here, a little disclaimer. Because what I have noticed is that um, this definition has been changed recently as well and a bit blurred. So back, say, five, seven years ago, people would tell you, yes, this is what we mean by general AI, the type of AI that is almost like human or sort of like human in the way it processes information and acts. But currently, some experts, including OpenAI, are saying that general artificial intelligence means technology that can perform tasks that are, mind you, economically valuable, that can perform these sorts of tasks that we would generally be inclined to pay for. And that is very, very different from general artificial intelligence as we have defined it prior, right? So the next step would be super intelligence and super intelligence would be something beyond that or above general AI. But since we have now a, a bit of a blurry definition of what general AI is, it's hard to say what this super intelligence is supposed to be. Ideally, sort of prior to all this boom, we would think it's something that surpasses general artificial intelligence. So hence also human biological intelligence in all kinds of ways and becomes sort of much better at doing things that humans are uh, you know, doing currently uh, to the extent that humans do not understand what artificial intelligence is doing. It's just too much for them. It's just um, their minds are exploding. So that was super intelligence prior. Currently, I don't know what super intelligence is supposed to be because general AI as a term has changed and companies so big, like players like OpenAI are really shifting the paradigm and are saying, no, no, no. You don't have to wait for any general AI in the future. It's completely fine to just wait for it for the next year or so, because the next generation of any big lar large language model or any other big type of system, a diffusion model, is going to be classified as general AI according to what we're saying that it is, right? Something that does things well that we generally okay. pay for. What, do you see? What, what is your standpoint, uh, Alexandra? Because I understand that in any, for any big 
corporation, which is now OpenAI. Let's be honest; they 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 need uh, probably ex- next next extra round for money if they want to buy. Ah, they, they, now they want trillions, Nvidia right? Processor. Yeah, they yeah, want that's trillions. what I've heard. I'm not sure how much. You, you are more in 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 Boston, so probably you you, you know more what they're actually looking for. But that's they're that, looking that's for money, says. but in uh, Switzerland, they're not actually looking for money in the United States, as I'm hearing from various friends. But they're indeed looking for funds, not to develop something more advanced than GPT, but actually a completely different type of system possibly neuromorphic, you know, and new types of infrastructure to support this sort of system so that the compute process would be like super fast and whatnot. And for that, they're declaring that they want $8 trillion, but from European Okay, so that's market. like four mm-hmm. times, that, that's what Apple plus Microsoft plus NVIDIA plus Google yep. <laughs> sends yeah. to abstract hey, money. Aim high, abstract aim money. high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah like, okay if we don't want to give us eight trillion give us half of it and we are fine no no he, he said like something like that he wants seven million but then he was like no actually i i want eight why not because why yeah, not eight and i was like why, why not 10 hard. why not 20 come on like you know <laughs> okay so tell me alexandra are we close to this AJ? Because they they claim that we are close, that the next generation will be. And let's be honest, if we speak about super intelligence, playing Go, I, I I saw all the movies. I'm not an expert on Go, but how the machine tricked a human was that it designed totally unintuitive, unintuitive moves. I saw the reaction of the experts. They were sitting on the very place, and they said, "I would never play this. This is insane." That was this completely different way of thinking. And so this is actually a, a very sh- narrow super intelligence, right? Same for languages. I mean, it can talk much better than average human. Let's be honest. It yeah. does not make many mistakes, etc. So in narrow points, we it is super. It it draws much better than I will be able to draw ever, right? So in some narrow cases, it is narrow super intelligence. But on the other side, of course, I, I'm joking on this case of changing diapers because this is a real world need to change diapers. No one likes it. If you do write in comment, right? Okay, I'm waiting for gazillions of comments. No one likes to change diapers and there is no robot, no robot in the world that can do such a simple trick without hurting your baby to change a diaper. So on the one side, we're very close. On the other side, we cannot perform super simple jobs. So where are we uh, on this game? Yeah, it's it's very complicated because what we have are super powerful systems that process information with great accuracy and speed, okay? And they also have access in real time to all the information that you need. So what we struggle with as humans is obviously memory. Our retention of information is not 100%. It's just, you know, we are very selective in what we are remembering and how we are remembering. And also, you know, there is a delay between what we think and how we express it. And sometimes the expression of what we say is going to be not what we wanted it to be, or we will stumble. And obviously none of that happens to uh, an AI system that performs, for instance, um, speech synthesis, right? And kind of says something. So it is true that there are some tasks that we are generally paying for, like for instance, translation or text generation or creating visualizations and graphs and whatnot that AI can do 
very quickly and very well today. Uh, but on the other hand, obviously, there are tasks like the ones that you mentioned that would require some sort of embodied intelligence, intelligence of the body, really, and experiences um, to be performed. And here, AI is completely useless. Also, there are tasks, and everybody who talks frequently to ChatGPT knows that very well, that ChatGPT is like not capable of doing or is just making simply very banal mistakes Although, although on the other hand, it would be able to perform a very complex task in no time, right? So uh, I think this is a different type of intelligence, a different type of architecture that computes information, looking for patterns. And simply what it does well is very often the things that we do not do so well, like counting things or like looking at an Excel sheet and figuring out, oh, here are those correlations, right? I don't see it when my just, you know, naked eye, absolutely, um, so, so this is, um, I, I think this interesting intersection or problem that AI excels at things that we generally have hard time doing, like playing strategic games or chess or Go that you mentioned. These are tough games. Only some people master them. The majority of the people don't, but the majority of the people know very well by heart, sort of by tacit knowledge, how to tie or like how to, uh, their shoes, right. Or how to, um, put an outfit on or how to walk down the stairs without falling. Right. So that's what we all know how to do. Our body supports that, um, this link, you know, um, between our body and, uh, our processing of information is, is very well maintained, right. It's, it's closely there. So our body intelligence allows us to do so many good things that AI is not very good at doing. So this is, I think, an issue, right. That we uh, kind of are in a moment where we can say, yes, and I think this is why those people shifted that definition, because you would generally expect an AI system to be capable of um, doing things that we do. Um, and I think a few years back, people thought, okay, if AI is capable of playing Go, it's going to be super capable of doing many other things. Whereas it turns out, well, yes, it's very good at playing Go, but there are many other things that a five-year-old does, and it still doesn't do it, this artificial intelligence. So some people said, oh, maybe this idea of general AI is actually not so useful at all because it refers artificial intelligence and the way it learns to us. And I think this reference is simply not making a lot of sense. So instead, people say, how about we look at the things we value in our economies, in our society, and try to measure that and see whether artificial intelligence fits those tasks. And if you put it like this, then this is a completely different definition. You don't need a system that's going to be aware of itself. You don't need something that's going to be feeling emotions or pain or like, you know, having experiences in life. You just need something that's going to be capable of writing this report that normally would be written by, I don't know, some sort of consult consultancy company or just, you know, drawing this, uh, this logo of yours that normally you would hire someone to do. And if that's the case, then it is true that we are very close to such a definition of general artificial intelligence. This logo, of course, it was generated by... I uh, wouldn't expect uh, anything else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so tell me, because most of our listeners are entrepreneurs, founders of companies, what, what are the consequences you see of um, the of this possible singularity? Shall we be afraid shall we be excited shall we i don't know hire ai managers for for our mm. companies 
Yeah. Well, I, I think we have to brace ourselves for change. That is for sure. And the pace of it is still unknown. What we do know is that certainly today, there will be many professions that we will see in a year or two or, or five years where a person who actually does use efficiently artificial intelligence is going to be much hireable than a person who is not doing this, right? So okay, it's so, not... So we can human, say that... Yeah. That, that people are going to be replaced not by AI, but people who know AI better. That's that's, that's what, what I what think will say. be happening. Mm-hmm. Obviously, not uh, mm-hmm. you know across the field and not in all areas because that's going to be very different, right? So I mean, there will be professions around care or like education or, or in healthcare and plenty of other places where we will still have definitely humans working. But there will be other professions. I'm thinking, for instance, about marketers because at Harvard we're doing a study with market and salespeople. And this is exactly what's happening. A person who is a marketer and is capable of using artificial intelligence the way he or she wants to, right? So prompts really well, understands how it should be done, is capable of using those models very smartly, right? And edit whatever those um, models are are giving as an output and is capable of like uh, using them well is going to work very efficiently and is going to be much more hireable than a person who is not. So in the short run, this is what general artificial intelligence brings. Not necessarily singularity, but really general artificial intelligence when it arrives, I think becomes um, a platform for change where people start working very differently. New professions will be emerging, new types of specializations. We will be shifting our interests from what we have done in the past. You know, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to move elsewhere. Where? No one really knows, but it, mm. it's certain that that it's a palpable change that if you can save up time, even, you know, by the sole fact that you're not drafting your emails anymore, this time is probably used elsewhere. If you want to be productive, you'll find a good usage for that, you know, for that energy of yours that is saved because you're not doing those routines, those chores, those burdens, right? So I think this is this is something that we have to brace ourselves for. There will be obviously a, a chunk of professions that will be simply gone that we will forget, and this is the case. You know that's been the case for many decades now that some professions have been disappearing. Some of them gradually, some of them very instantly. But um, I would say if I was a lector of audiobooks, I would be concerned, right? Because cloning of voices is like. Uh, like this with AI today. So I would be afraid. And if I was uh, a a translator who solely specializes not in literature, but in just technical text, and this is what I do, I would be like, okay, people are not going to use my services three years from now. Absolutely. Mm. I have to think of Mm. something else. How about... But yeah. Mm -hmm. I had a conversation recently. I I did a training for school teachers and Mm -hmm. there were uh, German and English teachers. uh, And they said, they're they're going to not be teachers in ten, maybe twenty years. Uh, as who a, will they as be then? English as a foreign language. What ah. uh, the, 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 I wonder because you are in education, is is this wave of changes going to take teachers as well to some extent? What is your sophisticated guess? It's going to be a defined role. So I think that people have it. If it's about an education of humans, then humans need education that happens with other humans. Through socialization, they need mentoring, they need someone's perspective and unique voice, they need connection. So I think 
actually education is, is, is with us to stay, unless you're talking about educating bots, where bots educate other bots, which is an option, obviously, but I'm now sticking still to the old world of humans. So if that's the knowledge that should be transferred to other humans, I think another human needs to be there. But what that human does, I hope will change. So I'm actually very eager to see that happening, particularly in primary schools that are usually you know, I mean, where you have a teacher that's teaching a class of around 30 kids, never has time to check their homeworks, provide personalized feedback, never has time to actually uh, iterate certain material in a different way to students who perhaps have more visual imagination or are better at storytelling. And for instance, math is a problem for them. But if you pack that exercise different for them, they would be able to process it and understand and, and come up with an answer. So I'm just hoping for a, a real support for these sorts of teachers. What I can say as, as a teacher uh, myself is that um, in, in many cases, I've, I've used ideas by ChatGPT to prepare new classroom scenarios for my students, ideas for debates about them, exercises, extra stuff. And I, I would not hesitate to do that. And I, I'm hoping for more of that. But I think, you know, what ultimately does matter is that perhaps certain type of knowledge can be automated and certain types of things can be automated like grading, but there is a big, big deal about providing perspective to someone and real discussions, and, and the teacher can finally focus on that. So I think a teacher of a foreign language will stay if you treat foreign language as a certain skill that people simply want to master. Because it's, it's one thing that you go to a country that you've never been to before and you have no intention to learn that and that you finally get this, uh, I don't know, device, right, whatever, like enabled by your phone translation in real time, and you just talk to these people about what you want. But it's a completely different thing to actually be eager to learn a language because you want to live a certain experience. And I, for instance, want to learn Spanish just for the sake of learning Spanish. And I know that, you know, there are plenty of people who think about that as a part of self-development. So in that way, maybe there will be less of those teachers. Maybe their work will be transformed to some extent, but I don't think I will be gone. Okay, so you, you can we can find a parallel, like you learn karate or any martial arts, not yeah. to the point that exactly. you want to beat someone but you want to stay healthy develop your I mean, strength yeah, etc like, mm -hmm. because th think about it uh Krzysztof, when 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 you think about your life and whenever you have available time how do you spend it do you spend it just like i don't know drinking a beer all day long well probably not right i mean self-development is probably what majority people want to do maybe they would if they had some free time, they would just do nothing for two or three hours, but then their eager mind would want to do something. So, and I think it was discovered in this very interesting experiment on UBI, Universal Basic Income in Finland, that when you give people, provide them with funds and resources, and they don't have to worry about like, you know, undertaking some sorts of activities just to maintain themselves and, and, and earn some money, then what they do is they invest in education. They start learning different things, not necessarily with the direct link that this is something they need to know to progress in career, but actually something that develops them as humans. And you, this martial arts example is, I think, great. And so are sports, right? And so many other things that we generally pay for because we consider them part of our growth or thriving. So I think education um, hopefully we'll have that goal too. And then here you will see lots of places where people just want to have experiences with other people and uh, maybe better education in that way as well. I want to ask you about a little bit sensitive topic, but we are in the year of 
campaigns in the world when one fourth of of countries will have new governments. Of course, 1.3 billion is India, but then there is United States and Trump campaign. And there is a, there was a big discussion in our AI group within EO about the, the consequences of deep fakes for the campaigns. Uh, you've been exploring this subject quite a lot. Is there any way to, to you, you, you published a book on collaborative society and one other is going to be released any day soon, actually. Is there any way to stop it? I mean, I know they sometimes put some watermarks, but no one is using it. I I'm mean, not sure. What no, can I, we do it? What can we do it, Ola? Tell me. Um, I, I, have, I have a bit of an issue. So I understand the watermarks and I think to some extent this will work. So for instance, if you are preparing a business project where you have to have, uh, you know, certain aesthetics for it. I understand that generating that can be uh, a subject to watermark in the sense that you, for instance, you know, you will have to either clean the rights or you can watermark your own things that you've done. Right. So whenever you display that to the public, I think watermarking does make sense. Maybe for music expression to some extent as well. For written text, I have plenty of doubts about how that's supposed to work. And unfortunately, what I can say is that also, I'm not sure if that's your experience, but I've noticed on my social media that deepfakes are a standard already. And not only there, in social media outlets as well. And I don't, I don't mean deepfakes um, th here thinking about uh, intentionally deepfaking a real person to mislead you. Rather, just uh, sort of more like a replacement of stock simply. When you look at uh, newspapers of different kinds, they very often have, uh, you know, a visualization or a photo next to an yeah, article, just to which is already, idea. Yeah. but it's, it's like, it's like your logo. It's just an illustration of an idea. So that's plenty of that. Now, my Facebook, my Instagram are full of, I think, deep faked uh, actors that you would not see in that movie. Somebody's playing with that concept to bring back Marilyn Monroe or something else. And I have plenty of that. I also have very disturbing, um, I, I saw a couple of very disturbing videos where somebody wanted to, for instance, uh, create naked pictures of Jennifer Lopez, right? Or something like just recreate her using AI, right? Completely naked and then spread that everywhere. So I think, unfortunately, it's becoming a normalized thing. It's more like, an, almost like memes. It's a, a sort of a way to comment reality and it's very available. It's very easy to do. So the only thing, well, apart from those business applications where well, you will need more of a valid, you know, content and you have to clean the rights and whatnot, but just for personal usage, who's going to prosecute that? Come on. Like, I mean, unless it's a very big topic in the sense that uh, Trump's, uh, uh, you know, um, I don't know, specialist stunts, PR stunts are going to come up with an idea to deepfake Joe Biden. And that's going to impact our uh, decisions or global, you know, outputs in the world of, of different things. Well, then I can see that this is an activity that is that is heavy in terms of its consequences, and therefore can be prosecuted somehow, right? Uh, but in general, I just I just think that we have to have this um, natural vaccine towards that, in the sense that we have to admit that this is part of our world, that we have uh, to have this capability of even thinking about the type of content that is presented in front of our eyes. What is it really? Um, and just uh, frankly speaking, I don't know if there's any other way. Um, currently, if, when you think about detectors of different kinds, they, are, they, are, they don't have enough accuracy. So unless somebody does a breakthrough, unless, unless somebody, now this is to business people, if somebody considers that it's a very good business to come up with tools that verify these sorts of activities and that there is a room 
to monetize that, I'm sure that something like that will, will pop up. So a very good classifier. Currently, I don't think that any of those big technological companies have any interest in building a classifier. But maybe someone does. Maybe the law will enforce it to the extent that we will not be able to do without it. And then when there's a need, there's usually a solution. So I'm, I'm thinking maybe it's a, you know, a not, not so bad at all in the sense that in two or three years, if there is a business need to verify images, sound bites, or whatever text, there will be indeed a couple of systems that will compete on the market and, and kind of try to do that very well. But it also means how good we became about creating this reality. There's so human-like that is undetectable. This is well, also yeah. quite amazing. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's taken a while, you know. I mean, it's it's been developing in silence for the past couple of years. And what we see right now is just the, the, the result that's already very, very good. And frankly speaking, everybody wanted friendly interfaces and easy access to high tech. So here it is, right, with, with all the consequences. Mm -hmm. Okay, last question, Alexandra. As as I asked you about the consequences for entrepreneurs, and you said we should we have to be vigilant. We need to observe. But if you were to point three things we should do right now in 2024 mm -hmm. for medium-sized company owner, of course, yeah. I know there are different industries, but more or less, what would what would be your three recommendations for us to do? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I would. I would take seriously the stuff that I mentioned. A person um, with AI uh, skill set is probably going to add more value to you than a person mm -hmm. who is is hesitant to use it. Right. So that's the general rule. Obviously, there can be some outliers. So, so do trainings, it, maybe. So, so do, do trainings, trainings and learn, and also like hire the mm -hmm. proper talent. Invest in, in mm -hmm. talent. Right. It's, I think it's going to pay off. But really, what you said, I think, is also very important. L learn about this technology. Learn well. Do not rely on hype. Uh, do not pretend that you're using artificial intelligence. And just actually make the effort. You know, uh, currently these models, some of them are really at almost zero cost and they can do good things for you optimize things predict things uh, possibly also enable better interactions with your customer or give you some insight into what those customers want and it's it's not a very expensive technology anymore but it is also true that if you are waiting for too long there will be no leveling of the playing field. That's not going to happen. What will happen is that those who are already using this technology are going to run away from you, for, from you, and then you will not even recognize the sector that you're working in. So that is, I think, very important, and the time is now. I'm not sure if those were three tips, but they were... Okay, something. you pulled the string of FOMO <laughs> now for all the entrepreneurs are, are listening to us. But, but I think keep FOMO. the FOMO... It, yeah, keep the FOMO. It is the it is the time to feel the FOMO if you're not doing this because this time it's for real. We've been talking about AI, speculating for 20 years what it's going to do. Currently, it's a platform for other technologies as well. Remember, metaverse, augmented reality, all of that, Web 3.0, it's all going to be enabled by AI. It's a very big vertical. So I think it is important to feel the FOMO if you're not on board. Okay, feel the FOMO, feed the FOMO, and, and listen to experts. I'm really, really uh, glad that Alexandra Przegalinska of Harvard and Kozminski University visited us in My AI. Thanks a lot, Alexandra. Thank you so much for having me again.